Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Epic. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing? Good, Bruce. I got a big uh, hockey game tomorrow. The team that I'm on made the provincial finals. So what? we're going down to Red Deer. Wowza. Yeah. Div whatever it is, 5,000, I think. Div 5,000. Uh-huh. Yeah, 5,000. This is where you're you play on a defense pairing with your wife. Yes, that team. Yeah, and Bruce, I just want to. Finals, eh? I haven't oh. played hockey, uh, organized hockey. I don't think I've played. I've been coaching extensively for ten years right. now, but I haven't played in a game in probably like even outdoor on a rink probably for about fifteen years, and I haven't played on a team for probably twenty twenty five years, and I just have to say this is the most fun I've had in hockey in 25 years it, it's easy to forget how much fun it is that the real thing about hockey mm-hmm. the real thing about hockey is playing the damn game yourself right. yeah. and i would just uh, you know i'd kind of forgotten that and i want to encourage anyone who's out there and thinking ah should i should i play this year you know you can sign up as a spare on an adults team uh, or in a, in a very in these various leagues you don't even have to join a team to sign up as a spare but bruce i'm having a riot and uh, it is absolutely humbling and thrilling at the same time to play hockey again. That's great. And you guys are obviously, you must be doing something right if you're in the provincial finals. Well, they made it when I we were in Europe on a trip. So, okay. uh, Oh, I see. Trip. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's all about the tiering, right? Yeah, they, our team is doing something right. They, they won the games. But it, at the at, in, in hockey, except at the NHL where you have the very best in the world, Every other level of hockey is tiered. You're not playing against the best players. It's it's like who is your competition? Even in the AHL, you know you can send down that one player from the NHL, and suddenly your AHL team is really good. So every other level of hockey, it's just about the playing and having fun. And the winning and losing comes down to essentially the tiering in a, in a lot of ways. So it's just well, about getting only, out there. You can only but, beat the teams you line up against, right? Yeah. So. You were at the Oilers uh, practice today at Oilers Fan Day, uh, and today, Bruce, we're going to uh, talk about the lineups that you saw on the ice. I was, yeah. How I, was I only it? I only saw half the team. I saw Group A. Uh, for whatever reason, they had a, a long practice with the one group. They sent them off, did the Zamboni, brought the same group back out there. So there was a whole bunch of the new guys that I'd hope to see uh, that'll have to wait for another day. Uh, guys like Joachim Nigard and... Uh, yeah. Gustav Haas yeah. and, and uh, even, you know, Mike Smith and, and uh, uh, Michael Grand and Thomas Yurko, guys we know a little bit from the NHL, but we've never seen them as Oilers. And I don't know about you, but I watch players very differently when they play on my team as opposed to when they play for other teams. And yeah, I don't, so, I don't even barely watch the other team when I watch the uh, other, Even uh, when I'm watching a game, I hardly watch. Like, honestly, I hardly watch the I, other I, I focus I on the Oilers a lot because that's, that's who we're covering. But that's yeah. always kind of the way I I watch the game. When I have a rooting interest, I watch my team first, and the other guys are just testing. Some pieces, other guy might right? stand out, like some outstanding mm-hmm. player oh, might yeah. around the other team. So, Bruce, let's go through the lineup, and let's talk about each of the lines you know, and, and sure. what they are now and where they think they might end up. And, you know, these are pre- preliminary lines. There's about nine of them, I think, at camp and um, mm-hmm. six or seven defense pairings. So they're, we'll just whip through them. Um, so the first one, we don't have to say a whole heck of a lot about other than um, 
although that's it's the one you focused on most in your ah, excellent absolutely. excellent blog post today Thank Bruce. You. Another, uh, if you, if anyone's out there wondering what a fine writer Bruce McCurdy is, just read that post. That's all I'm saying. Um, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisettle, and Zach Cassian. So you, you oh. saw McDavid with your own eyes, Bruce. Yeah. What, how do you look? Oh, what a relief just to see him out there, you know. And it took about five seconds of him getting the puck and doing about three or four crossovers right in a row, like only he can. Uh, I don't know of anybody else who quite skates like him, right? And right away, I'm you know, going... Guy uh, come closest. Well, so, yeah, I mean, they, they, they're great they skaters. But, yeah, the, uh, the stuff that he does with the crossovers, like somebody did uh, analyze one rush he made last year, and he made something like 11 crossovers on one rush. You know, what's that, right? Like, I thought you did one or two, and then you were on your way. But uh, anyway, they're, they're part of his... Uh, and as soon as I saw that, I felt this sort of huge relief because I think if your knee is acting up, you're not going to be that nimble, especially, you know, two weeks before the start of the season, right? I mean, the games for real don't start till October 2nd, and the worry up till now is he's going to be ready for opening day. And I think they'll hold him out of a lot of the preseason games because he doesn't really need them. Uh, but um, he's... Uh, He's good. There was one brief scare when uh, he and Zach Cassian came together in front of the net and uh, uh, McDavid went down easily. Like he, he did not resist. He just let his body fall away from the contact. And then he got up and he stumbled for odd reason and, and went down a second time. And, and it's like he tripped over the ice or something. But, and just for that brief moment, you're thinking, uh-oh. Uh, and a lot of people were going crazy, saying, what are the Oilers doing, putting him out there? Why isn't he wearing a non-contact? Well, this was a non-contact drill. They ran into each other, right? I mean, what are you going to do, put the guy in a bubble? He's, so, he's earning $12.5 million a year to play hockey. He's got to play hockey. Yeah, that's so, right. And, and listen, they're not... Too much is on the line. All of this is... We're not going to have another one of these Eric Lindros situations. This isn't the 90s anymore where you still had that hangover from the 80s almost of like paying playing when you're you know you have a gunshot wound to the head and you still get out there on the ice you know that doesn't that's not the attitude anymore it isn't i do i don't believe it is and and uh especially with a player like mcdavid they're all they're taking their chances Bruce, i just wanted to address one thing you were saying about his skating mm -hmm. yeah. you know for him to be skating technique is always advancing and so for mcdavid to be a bit much better skater than everybody else in the nhl right now you know, you said he's doing things you haven't seen before. That's what you have to do. Like, if yeah. you're going to be the best skater in the NHL and have this sure. gap between everybody else, you've got to have a whole array or, or at least, you know, three or four little techniques, things that you're doing, nobody else is doing them. And, and that's mm -hmm. in the quickness of the feet and the crossovers. Who else does that? I mean, that's a yeah. McDavid thing. And we're going to see that in the future. Other players are going to start to do that. But I don't think we have seen that in the past. Yeah, but they and need that's to how... He got the edge on the competition in the entire NHL right now by by being this unique kind of technician. Uh, there's some kid out there who's like eight years old now who's watching every move that Connor McDavid makes. And when he makes it to the NHL in 10 years, uh, he'll be able to do those same things. You know, I mean, the, the, the people do learn some things from the great players. That said... Uh, there are some great players, and I mentioned one of them in my post today, the great Wayne Gretzky, uh, who cannot be emulated because of the way they process the game. 
and the way the games pl- different way the games played, like the tight checking of the game, mm-hmm. uh, I think which would really significantly alters the amount of time and space players have. Gretzky could, could, took advantage of the time and space available at that time. I don't know. Could could anyone could anyone come in and do what he did in terms of shedding attackers, stick handling around attackers, stick handling around the ice? I mean, I, I, I that that's what I don't know. If you if you had that kind of hockey IQ today, could you even could you pull off those things? Because of he, the, he he too there's was no a, crappy defenseman in the NHL. Like I don't like they could all skate now. Not that they couldn't skate then, but they could really skate now. Yeah, well, he too was a great great skater. Uh, much underrated in his time, and I think to this day, people. And I heard people describe him as an average skater. I'm thinking, why are you even watching? You know, He's so the one, agile. The one step, first step towards the puck, like nobody I've ever seen, and um, uh, the one-footed stops and changes of direction, and the ability to stop on a dime and cut to the other the other side into the open. I, like there was a few things that he could do that. Anyway, uh, okay, no, so you I like Drysaddle? I like I, I like Drysaddle. I like he's just all over the puck, David. He's like he's like he's got this addiction to the puck when he's standing around and they're you know even when when you know they're between shifts and there's a puck hanging around he'll just reach out and he'll pull it in and his hands are like absolutely uh, unreal how soft his hands are like how he can handle a puck and just lift it up and he's and the stick blade that he's using is like this great big paddle uh and yet he uses it like a scalpel and he was um you know just dangling passing in in the normal way what he was really working on was his one-timers over and over and over and over again away from the the, they'd be attacking the net at one end and leon would be down at the other end hammering pucks at the net and they'd pass it behind him in front of him right in the sweet spot, wherever they put it, he would find a way to step uh-huh. into that puck and blast it. And almost always on the net, but always with real mustard on it. And, and he's and it's just something he continues to work on. And, you know, when he came into the NHL, I thought he's a pass-first player. He may even be a pass-first and second type player. And he can score some goals by going to the right places, but I didn't see him as a sniper. Well, now he is a sniper, and it's because he's worked his ass off at it. I'm convinced, you know, it's just you know the the ten thousand hours of repetition, and you got to give you got to give guys credit for that, and uh, especially if they do fifteen thousand hours. You know, it, we tracked his scoring chat shots. How many he had last year, Bruce? And we expect players to score on about. A quarter of their grade A chances, 25% of grade A chances go in. They have over the years, and I think uh, they did last year, the, the way we track them. So Drysaddle, based on that, should have had about 35 goals last year, based on his number of grade A chance shots. Now, we're not tracking, like, double A shots. Like, his right. shots may be a little bit better than that. Like, mm-hmm. they're wide open one-timers on the power play, for instance. So those are, like, double A. But if you just go by grade A shots, he should get about... He should have had about 35 goals last year. This has also backed up his high shooting percentage, 21%, when, when forwards usually get about uh, 11 to 12% in the NHL. So there's a lot of players, or a lot of people, and, and it's logical that he might kind of regress to the mean, that old saying, which is actually one of the great, valuable things that the hockey analytics community has added to the discussion because it's, right. it's, it's, it, it's actually a real thing. 
it's hard to maintain a high shooting percentage. And if you pay someone based on that, you're probably going to be in trouble on and on and on. But here's the thing, Bruce. Yari Curry had that high shooting percentage year after year after year, year after, after year. year. And if you get, if you get, there are certain situations, and I'm not saying this is it, but there are certain situations where you get this combination of a great passer, a great attacker, and a great shooter, and they can make some magic happen for about five to ten years together if, if you just let them work it out together. So, you know, my gut tells me Leon Dreisaitl is going to score about 35 to 40 goals this year. Not my gut. My, my head tells me 35 to 40 goals this year would be a reasonable expectation. 40 goals, pretty good. Mm-hmm. But my heart's saying, you know, go for 60. Go for well, 60. Well, yeah, who knows? Yari <laughs> I mean, Curry, he shot over 25% four years in a row. And he shot over 20% seven years in a row. And it's partly, uh, as you say, you know, your your grade A scoring chances, where you're shooting the puck from and so on. But there's still that extra bit that isn't measured directly in just the scoring chances themselves. That's the execution of the shot. And if you have a plus-plus shot, you're going to get more goals than your stats say you should get. And Leon is tending in that direction, man. He's got... He gets so much power on his shot is so heavy and accurate, and he gets it away real fast. And he often gets it away in in a situation of chaos where McDavid has bamboozled some defenseman or two, and and all of a sudden there it is on Leon's stick, and he's eyeball to the eyeball of the goalie, and bam, off goes that hard, heavy shot. Well, some of those are going to hit the net. So first they have Cassian playing with this this uh, group of players. I don't think we have to say much about that because we've got a lot to go through here. Let's go don't, through the second line Don't here. hit McDavid. That's my only advice for Cassie. Yeah, don't, don't, don't hit McDavid don't again. <laughs> I, I, so we had a second line of Gagne, R&H, and Neil. Um, you know, I see them play, but... It's interesting. Tyler Benson uh, had a couple mm, iffy mag games in the rookie camp, and suddenly he's not on... He's certainly not on one of the big lines. It's Sam Gagne, the veteran, who's up there, and... You know, I don't think we're going to see James Neal, Sam Gagne, and RNH in the regular season. RNH, he's got to play with a. He, he there was an interview. He's craving. He wants to. He wants to combine. He wants to find his Leon Drysaddle. Essentially, he wants uh, to find somebody he can combine with, like he did with Taylor Hall, and Everly. He wants to find that kind of not sure. be in the McBlender, not have new line mates all the time. So I don't, don't think. I think Neal's going to end end up on the top line probably. Although. You know, with Dreisaitl, maybe, maybe not. But maybe Neil's, maybe Neil's going to be that guy. But I think they're going to need a guy with some real speed there, Bruce. Or yes. a guy, you know, Gagne I guess Tyler Neil Benson's more like a Sam no. Gagne. Yeah, but I think it's going to be Nygaard. And Nygaard's right now on a line with Colby Cave and Patrick Russell. So yeah. they're not starting, they're not doing him any favors. I'm not, nothing wrong with Colby Cave and Patrick Russell as players. They're hardworking guys, but... Um, they're going to be hard-pressed to make the orders this year. But Nygaard, I think he is going to be, if I had to make a bet uh, who's going to play the most games with, on the left wing with RNH, it'll be him. What say you? Uh, yeah, well, if you're going to put speed on that line, you're not going to probably put both Neil and Gagne there. Because, uh, I mean, Nuge is a, is a good skater, but, you know, I'm not sure he's classified as a burner. And, and you want a burner on one wing, and, and Nygaard is a... Is, probably the the obvious choice of what we've got available um but for now they have neil and gagne both playing on their on their off wings i like that yeah that's interesting for sure i think that's a good idea i don't know why they don't do it more even even at even strength like you just just such an advantage in terms of your shooting position getting a pass over there 
being on your off wing. I know it's a bit of a disadvantage picking the puck off the boards, but I think you can work on that. And I don't think it's like a defenseman in your own zone, for instance. I think it's a little easier. Um, so I like that off wing stuff. I like it. I love it on the power play. In fact, I think it's a sign of coaching incompetence, as I've often said. If it's not seen on the power play, when we were when we saw Boston and in, in St. Louis in the power play, Bruce, do we see players on their off wings on the power play in the Stanley Cup final? Yes, we did. And pretty um, standard fare in the modern NHL. Uh, yeah, except on the One Oilers. Time. One timers. The puck gets to you a little quicker, and you're shooting from a better angle. So it's like two two small bits that add up to a big difference. The third line, Riley Sheehan, Archibald, and Kara, you were saying in your thing that they were at the other end of the ice, so you didn't get a good closer look at them. What do you think of that idea of that line, at least? It looked like an NHL line. Like it's, I mean, I saw, I did see them from a distance. They didn't do anything that stood out, other than they all looked competent. You know, like they knew what they were doing. They were uh, going about their business. They looked like to me like a potential line. I'd be surprised if we don't see them in at least uh, one or two exhibition games if uh, that's how they've lined up to start camp. All along, I've thought, yeah, Archibald and and Shane. Well, all along since they signed Shane. Uh, I thought Archibald and Shane were a natural pair of um, even strength and on the uh, penalty kill. And, and whether the left winger was Grandland or Carey, Kara, uh, turns out that for now at least it's Kara. And, and why not? I mean, it's uh, they're three bottom sixers. Let's see how they click. Yeah, I was such a fan of that player of Jujar when he first came up. Like he 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 just did everything right. Like he worked his way up from a fourth-line guy in the AHL to be the best player on that team. And they, the guy they sent on overtime played all the situations. had really become a dominant AHL player. And he looked ready to be an NHL player. What a step back he took last year, Bruce. I don't know, like, was, like, was he banged? Like, I guess he was hurt now, and then he got suspended at one point. He, he just, he's got to play the way he can play. Like, so many players on the Oilers had crap seasons last year. Larson, Nurse, Clefbaum, I think. Just didn't live, come close to their potential. Kara, these guys have got to start to play the games they can play for the Edmonton Oilers. And it's going to be so disappointing if if that group of players and others on the team don't raise the level of their play um, this season. I've got a mosquito in well, here. It was, odd, it was odd that last season. Like Before that suspension, Kara was playing the best he, he's played. With Pulley-Arvey uh, and R&H on the same Yeah, line. that's right. He got eight points in ten games in December. And then he got into that confrontation with uh, with Vince Dunn and where he got cross-checked high and he retaliated with a cross-check that was higher. And he got suspended for two games. By the time he came back after Christmas, it was like 12 days later because there had been a couple of weeks besides the two games off. And he just never found that form ever again. And the little point streak he had, mostly assists, I mean, he only got three goals all year. I mean, how is that? I mean, he had 11 the year before, and he fell all the way down to three. It was like the whole bottom six was snake bit around the net. But I'd like to think he's going to be a lot better than three goals. And the Oilers given him a two-year contract at $1.2 million. Obviously, they think the same. So, Bruce, how many goals do you think? I was having a little uh, argument or debate or conversation on Twitter with my old boss, Murdoch Davis, about this. Mm-hmm. How many goals do you think that line... So, so I think they will score between, I think they're going to score at least 30 goals. And I think that's going to be, I think that's okay. Like if they can score 30 goals, that's 10 okay. Goals each, 10 goals each, that's not bad. You think they'll do it? 
Maybe. Yeah, I saw you said 35 in your articles, and I thought you said even strength goals. Uh, that's a bit of a stretch, but for sure, most of what they do get will be at even strength. Oh, Those aren't it. power players. Oh, what did and I say? I'm thinking 10, 10, 10, 12 goals. I mean, that's that's the track record. I mean, last year, Shane had nine. Archibald had 12. And Kara well, had, 11, had 11 the year before. So, I mean, they're all, you know... They're all in the range of being 10 goal scorers. I, I did say 35. I said if they could muster 35 even strength goals on the attack between them, that would be... That would all be the, all their goals are going to be even strength. They might get yeah. a shorty, shortier yeah. team. They, so can, can they get 35 even strength? That's like 12 goals each. That would be fantastic. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think like they've all done it, haven't they? Mm-hmm. they? I don't know if Kara scored 12. Did he score 11? Um, so... Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. Okay. Uh, moving on to the next line we got. Sorry, Bruce. Grandland, Haas, and Hebig was a line. What, did you see Haas play? No, they were not. That whole trio wasn't out there. We They're all in Group B. So the lines are either Group A or Group B. So I either saw all three guys or none of them. In this case, none. I think Grandland and Haas are making the Oilers. I do, too. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them hopefully as soon as tomorrow. Yeah, Yurko, Marodi, Chason. They weren't out there either. I, it sounds like I thought Marodi was actually not bad in his second game again. In the, second game was second game was good. He was he, he was getting a lot of crap from people who wanted him to score a bunch of points, but I, I thought his game was fine. He just you know. Yeah. He, anyway, I, I expect we'll see Chason on the fourth line. So Chason, Haas, and Grant, Haas, and Haas, Haas, and Granlund. Mm-hmm. The uh, fourth line, perhaps. Um, which I'm which sure is Brandon himself probably has designs on the second line, but we'll see. Oh, that'll Maybe. be a stretch. But it's he scored, possible. He scored, he scored 19 goals there not that many years ago, and uh, the Oilers aren't exactly blessed with uh, goal scoring talent. And when I say he has designs on the line, well, so do a lot of guys. I'm sure Josh Archibald probably does too. It doesn't make him a second line winger. Just saying, somebody's going to get moved up out of necessity. Do you think it'll be Sam Gagne? You I think know. it'll be, like I said, Nygaard. Oh. Okay, we had a, we had a line of Benson, McLeod, and Yamamoto, which you did see. Yes, I did. So I how did Benson him. look? I like, I like, oh, he looks good. I liked him. He, he's, he, he's, he's such a slick passer that it's, it's sort of easy to almost not rate what he does because he makes it look pretty easy when he puts the puck through and on somebody's tape. But he's... Uh, He's got a real knack for that. And, I mean, in today's drills, I'm not sure that we saw the, necessarily the creative side of it. Uh, but there was one one play where he, there was a give-and-go where, where uh, Yamamoto fed the puck to Benson and burst into the slot, and Benson made some sort of wizard pass. You know, it was like he wasn't even looking at him. I think he did behind the back right onto Yamamoto's tape alone in the slot, and then he, he tried to pass send to McLeod rather than just wiring it from perfect scoring yeah. fashion. Sometimes, sometimes those young guys got to learn, you know, the extra pretty pass, you don't always need to do that. Sometimes a rebound works just as good, and if there's no rebound because the puck's in the net, that's even better, right? So, <laughs> shoot. What I'd like to see is Eugene Hopkins get some chemistry with either Nygaard or Benson. One of those yeah. two young guys, well, I guess Nygaard's not same age as RNH, I well, guess. He's, he's but one new. of those two new guys, and and possibly like probably asking too much. Like, how about a line of if Nygaard plays his 
off wing with Benson and RNH. I mean, that'd be exciting. That, and if can we can we not have one year or some young forward other than I guess we saw with Drysaddle comes in and surprises us and and shakes and bakes at the NHL level and you know puts up I guess a point every second game at least like I want to nice. I want to see Glenn Anderson in 1980-81. Me too, Bruce. That's what I want. That's <laughs> our problem. Of, coming in as a rookie and that's exactly what's wrong with us. Yeah, the later fans. I know we should. All right. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, man. Uh, all right. There's a line of Josh Curry, uh, Brad Malone, and Joe Gambardella, and I think Joe, oh, Joe Gambardella was probably pretty darn disappointed that he wasn't on a maybe a little higher up in the batting order. AHL vet line. All three of those guys, like they're yeah. they're matched. They're match set in a way, and they're all you know twenty twenty five plus year old guys that have. Have, uh, I mean, they were all big players on the Bakersfield Condors last year. And will and, be again, most likely this uh, year. They've all been on the team for at least two years. And last year, you know, they, they they had good years, those guys. And that's where the arrows point right now is that they're tweeners, that they could be call-up players. And uh, it's possible that one of them makes the team out of camp, but I wouldn't put big money on any one of them because they're there if other people fail. You know, I can like see if, Gambardella making it as the 13th or 14th forward. Yeah. Uh, you saw Maximov. Who who was who was on his line? Was Safin on his line? Who was uh, Saf, Safin was out there. They they had like a couple of lines that seemed to have about four players on them. Like they yeah, had okay. Luke, Luke Esposito was there. Oh yeah. And Peluso, Anthony Peluso oh, was yeah. out there, and and. They didn't seem to have like set lines, so it seemed like because the other trios played as trios throughout the practice, and so because uh, they have uh, sixteen forwards in each group, they can't really make full sets of li- of, of all lines. So uh, we saw, uh, I think, four full lines, and then the other guys were just kind of three of the four would play together at a given moment. Yeah, we got Nurse and Larson as a defense pairing. And, uh, you know, they, they actually pl- have played together a considerable amount in the last mm-hmm. few years. A thousand minutes, I think. It was either in the last two or three years. That surprised me that they have been out already so much together as a pairing in the NHL. Um, I, and again, I, I've been saying this. Both those guys have a lot to prove this year. They need to bring their A game. They need to... Yes. They, and most of all... Well, not most. They're both. they got to pass the puck better. And they've got to... Against tough competition, they are being paid, and they are in the NHL as shutdown defensemen against tough competition, and they need to get that done. They didn't; they weren't close enough last year. They were just they leaked too many goals and scoring chances against Bruce. And who we'll see, man. I don't no, know. I, 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 Larson is uh, at the crossroads, and he's been an outscoring player for in New Jersey and his first two years in Edmonton. But last year he was a it was a bloodletting. Anytime <clears throat> Larson was on the ice, that red light was going on. It was just and, and nurse. horrible. Yeah, well, Larson particularly, like he got outscored. Uh, Larson at five v five last year, he was on the ice for forty five goals for and seventy seven against minus thirty two at even strength five v five. He at worst in the league, and you know that just can't happen. And some of it might be circumstantial. Some of it might be, you know, goaltending. Like goalies 
had bad moments when he happened to be on the ice, but I think some of the bad moments were because uh, he was getting beat. And but also, uh, yeah, you saw Clefbaum in person. Yes. How did they look? Um, Clefbaum, I almost didn't notice him. I mean, he just did what Clefbaum does, and you know, there was no uh, the d- defensemen were in some ways rope players in the in the breakout drills. You know, p- pass to them, they pass it up. And he didn't really stand out. I was paying way more attention to, to uh, Pearson. And he was, um, um, I mean, even paying attention was pretty hard to tell from a workout. Uh, you can see the guy's got skill. You can see, you know, the the tape to tape pass is part of his uh, is part of his game. Uh, he looked mobile enough. His defensive play was, you know, get in the right position, keep my stick alive, tack that puck, not battle the puck carrier, but, you know, take the puck. And uh, on on the surface, he looked okay. Uh, of course, I saw him out there, a little righty guy wearing number 36, and I can't help but think Philip Larson the second. Yeah. This is just what we need. I, I mentioned Philip Larson earlier in the summer. Is you know, like Joel Paris is more likely to be like Philip Larson than he is like John Klingberg, is what I think I wrote. And, uh, uh, giving him Larson's old number isn't going to help the <laughs> me in evaluating him because I'm going to make that connection. But of course, he's not Philip Larson. He's Joel Person, and he is a his own person, and he's going to. Uh, um, make his way, but you know, I I can't honestly say that off of what I saw today. I'm saying, oh man, he's just stood out, or there's not a chance. I mean, he's in the big mushy middle, and yeah. let's well, see scrim, yeah. let's see scrimmages and preseason games and NHL games, and in a while, maybe we'll have a better better chance to judge. This is very very early. So, Bruce, I, I, in criticizing the three defensemen, Clefbaum, Larson, and Nurse, I grouped them all together as having defensive weaknesses. And the mm-hmm. way we track, you know, looking at videotape and looking for mistakes on scoring chances against, they all have about the same numbers in terms of making major mistakes on goals against mm-hmm. and making major mistakes on grade-A scoring chances against. And they're, and they're all... They're all significantly worse than Chris Russell. I know Chris Russell has his bad reputation, but one of the reasons that we I think better of him is Russell is very good at limiting goals and score, grade A scoring chances against compared to these other guys. And that's a valuable skill to have. Clefbaum is a far superior puck mover to um, yes. Chris Russell. I'll give Clefbaum that. But Clefbaum, Nurse, and Larson are, were a big part of the problem last year, and they've got to play better. All right. Uh, Moving on with defense pairings, we have, well, Russell has got a concussion. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess he ran into somebody at one of the pre-camp workouts and... Hopefully not serious. Conked his head, and he's under concussion protocol. So, typically that means a week. So, so we got um, Lagesson and Bouchard together. Did did you see no. them? No. Okay. No, um, no them. Oh, a side note on Bouchard. Craig Button, mm-hmm. last January, left Evan Bouchard You haven't forgiven out. him yet, have you? I didn't blame him then, Bruce. <laughs> I respect like a lot of people don't like Craig Button, but I like yeah. I like his work and I, I like I like his. He seems I've, ta- I've interviewed interviewed him once. He was a fantastic guy to talk to. Mm-hmm. I think he's knowledgeable, and I mm-hmm. took you know what he said. Bouchard's got to get faster. Maybe Evan Bouchard listened to Craig Button. Maybe, well, maybe Craig Button maybe did us a did, favor. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe he lit a fire did. under him. 
because Evan Bouchard <laughs> does look faster uh, in those he first does. two games than I can remember seeing him. Okay, um, so uh, Button had him outside the top 50 NHL-affiliated prospects, and Corey Promen of The Athletic had him at number 26. He, more, just as interesting, uh, he had Philip Broberg, the Oilers' top pick at number 17, and I think they were the fourth and sixth uh, rated defenseman overall. Nice. And of course, we just got a little snippet of Broberg today on the internet. Mm. You know, it's it's the uh, Omark moment where you're judging a player by his highlight reel. But man, Bruce, that play, that guy can fly. And and it's not just that play. He when he oh. was playing in the summer at that tournament, he was flying. That guy mm-hmm. can fly up the ice. It's it's oh. very heartening. Well, he comes in on two defensemen. And he somehow gets through both the defensemen and then does a spinorama and almost beat the goalie had to make a great save or that would have been an absolute highlight real goal. The video, if you missed it, uh, it's on Twitter, of course, but read my post. It's at the bottom of my post. I, I couldn't resist yeah. putting it in there because it's the best thing I saw all day, I think, other than McDavid. I think skating. it might have been an overtime play. I don't know if they played three on three there. He's playing for Skeleftia, his team. Uh, it was, uh, the little clock said it was it was tied late in the third period. Oh, okay, there you go. He was going for the win. That was like all right. a big-time play. And, and I love his coach, his coach, head coach at Skeleftia mm-hmm. said, He's the most talented young defenseman he, I think he's ever seen, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe since, since he saw since Freddie Olsen. <laughs> <laughs> and we all chuckle because we don't, we we kind of don't think of Freddie in Edmonton. Freddie Olsen is a great player. Well, we'd like, we'd like to hope he got burnt by the Jets. He was on the Jets, and they all got burnt by the Oilers so much in the '80s. But Freddie mm-hmm. Olsen played a a more player. than a thousand very, NHL very games. Very good player. Very good player. But you'd like to hope the bar is even higher than that. Like he was, uh, you know. He's yeah. a very good player. No one would ever confuse him with being a great player. And of course, you want your your dark horse draft pick to be a great player, no less. And yeah. Anyway, this was a great play and another good sign of a guy who's just pure athletic um, skill set uh, created something out of nothing. And it was uh, something to watch. Well, what I liked about the coach's comment is one of the keys for Broberg this year is how much ice time he gets at Skleftia. And uh, so, you know, the worry is that he's going to get closer to nine minutes at worst or, or 13, 14 minutes, which would be okay. Mm-hmm. But th- there's a, you know, a group of defensemen there who got 17 to 20 minutes and you want him to be in that category. So if his coach is so thrilled about him, I think, all right, go coach, you know, play that kid, give him ice time. All right. Uh, Sam, well, the Russian guy that Vancouver draft, uh, Podzolkin or whatever his name was that yeah, played in the Linka last year. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Apparently, he's played three games so, so far. Of the four games he's played, he's had under one minute, less than one minute in three of the four games. How do you like that if you're a Vancouver fan? Probably not. <laughs> and only Yolevi did he hurt his leg, or was was he tired? And I, maybe I just saw some tweet. I don't think he's hurt any. He, he hurt his leg one drill. I'm sure he's fine. Okay. Um, Dmitry Samarukov and um, Caleb Jones. Did you see that? Yeah, no, no, neither of the AHL pairs, like the Bouchard and and uh, Lagesson pair, or the Jones and uh, uh, Samarukov pair. The only the only AHLer we saw today was Ethan Bear. And you saw Keegan Lowe and Ethan Bear. How did oh well, yeah. Keegan Lowe, yeah. Pardon me. How did Bear look? Bear looked real good. Real good. I've been hearing lots of good buzz about him, and of course, 
there's a counter buzz saying, well, the organization must be putting out the push on, on Ethan Bear. But I just <laughs> saw, I saw what I saw. You know, one thing that struck me was how small he looked. And it's funny because the other day, one of the, it's maybe uh, Bob Stoffer or someone said that he looked bigger than he remembered. But when you saw him out there against a whole bunch of other, and some of these guys are behemoths, right? I mean, Vince DeHarnay is a giant. And Bear looked, you know, he was the size of Joel Pearson, five foot eleven, and he and he looked like one of those uh, smaller, mobile puck moving defensemen, and he fit all of that, and and he was moving the puck, and uh, he made one play that I loved, where he was kind of tootling back, and he had a, a winger coming on him on the check, and all of a sudden he did this sharp turn up the boards, and he was gone. The winger was in the in in the rear view, and Bear was crushing it into the neutral zone with nobody on him, and time to make his pass. That's the old Claire Drake uh, quick reverse up the boards. He used to teach that. He taught that to Randy Gregg. Claire Is that Drake like the Savardian spinorama? Yeah, kind of. But it, it's, yeah, it's just... You're kind of the, own, guys, the, your guys own tra- the guys trailing you and you're skating yeah. back towards your goalie and then suddenly you and cut the And then at the, the hash way. marks, you just turn and cut right up the side sidewall and away from the, the traffic. And it takes a sudden move and good puck control and... Anyway, he made that move with without a problem in the hand. And he and he beat Mikko Koskinen, which is another story, but he beat him with a point shot that seemed to take no effort whatsoever whatsoever. Like the puck came back to the point, the guy was coming out to you know, get in the shooting lane, and it was like no wind up. It wasn't even a wrist shot wind up, it's just like he flicked it. Puck hit his stick and he flicked it, boom, in the net. Right through Koskinen. And you might look at yeah. that and and ask questions about Koskinen, but I was thinking that's a pretty impressive shot for like zero wind up, and he's got uh, he he really puts and when he did wind up he really put uh, uh, really hammered uh, hammered one shot that uh, you know where he had a chance to step into it. He's always been able to shoot. Yeah, he's always been able to pass. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the the thing has been his skating, and uh, it's interesting that you, you say maybe look maybe he was. The common denominator, one of the things I'm hearing from maybe two, three, four, is they've come to camp lighter. I've heard about dry settle. I think like they're, the NHL is mm-hmm. getting faster and these guys and like. A nurse, nurse is lighter apparently. He lost nurse, 10 pounds. That was, that was another guy. So that's really interesting. And uh, Bear, maybe Bear's got, he, he, he said he had, you know, kind of screwed around in the past in the summer, didn't work out hard enough and really dedicated himself this summer to make the difference for Ethan Bear because he's got undeniable passing and shooting talent. Mm-hmm. It's all about the defense, and you know, being a little guy, Jared Spurgeon's just a little guy. Yeah, well, decide, yeah, uh, it's possible decide, to what, succeed. 50, what was it? Seven years, fifty-five million or something? I can't remember. Uh, a lot of money for a thirty-year-old yeah. defense, but um, <laughs> that's another story. It's possible, but it is possible to succeed as this, uh, you know, the sure smaller puck-moving D-man, and then we've seen tons of examples over the years. I mean, remember Brian Rafalski is an example of a guy. You know, physically, you look at him and you say. How's he even survive in this league? And uh, he, he more than survived; he thrived to the to the verge of dominating. Well, look and at the abs. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying that's that's Ethan Bear. I'm just saying it's possible for for smaller defensemen to do well. Uh, but Bear, I was looking for for Parison, and the uh, puck would come back to the end because there was four righties and three lefties. Some shifts you'd see him on the one side or the other side, and the puck would come back to this small. Right shot defenseman. I think, oh, there's Lar- oh, there's Pearson. Uh, oh no, it's not Pearson. It's Bear, and they're you know roughly the same. Well, think size. about it. Bear's not that much younger than Pearson. A couple years. 
Mm-hmm. He's got way more experience in North American hockey. He's mm-hmm. had, you know, he was he was a good player in the AHL last year. He got hurt too much, but he yeah. was a really good player when he played. You know, he's got to be, he, he must be steamed. Like, hopefully he's been reading all those articles. Just like mm-hmm. Evan Bouchard was so inspired by Craig Button's comment. Oh. You know, Evan Bouchard's got to be reading all that. Well, Joel, Joel Parrison's going to be making the orders and thinking, damn, that, that's not happening. Like, that's my job. I'm having that job. Yeah. So uh, Ethan been... Barrett is probably thinking, you know, all those tools at the Cult of Hockey got me ranked ninth. I'm going to show those guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> what did you have? What did you vote him? I think I, yeah, I probably had well, him, we I probably had him around tenth or eleventh. We collectively had him ninth. I can't remember specifically who put him where, but we were we were fairly close. And he was in yeah. the cluster of defensemen, but just under the other, you know, Lagerson and and Jones and so on. Uh, yeah. But he's in there with a fighting chance. I mean, our rankings to Dave Tippett mean nothing. You know, he's looking at the players that are showing up to camp, and Easton Bear is making uh, making his case. Good on him. I hope he does well. I'm rooting for him. Well, Bruce, we we're at the the magic mark where Kurt said you you guys don't want to go over that in terms of length of podcasts. Okay. We listen to Kurt. Okay, and, right, and we don't we don't want to talk about the goalies anyway, really, do we? No, it's not. It's too early. Come on, it's too. I early. didn't see Mike Smith. I didn't learn anything about Koskinen, or Starrett, or um, yeah, or, or Roy in today's. Uh, not um, well, still Miles in today's uh, workout. Let's hopefully see them tomorrow. Uh, I'm hoping to get down there to see the. I guess they're giving out the Joey Moss Cup, so it sounds like maybe all the players or all the top players will be uh, in tomorrow's workout. So that's I, it. I yeah, uh, I wish I could go. I can't. You're, you're in the provincial finals. I'm heading to Red Deer, man. We're gotta oh. get down there for the pregame meal. So, Sushi. Sushi. Where, where are you playing? Where at the Centrum? Yeah. At Centrum? Great! Yeah. What a great rink. I love that rink. I was there last weekend. It was just uh, I've always enjoyed that rink. Fun place to play, I'm sure. Yeah, I hope so. So, our right. lunch tomorrow. Thanks, Bruce. All right. Thanks for talking. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.